Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber's on assignment. Dow futures lower after three up days, and once again, a retail blowup is at the center as target margins collapse amid this dramatic change in consumer buying. Oil at 115. The VIX, though, still close to 27. Our roadmap is going to begin with Target's tumble, rising cost pressures weighing on that retailer, sending shares toward their worst day since Black Monday. The inflation challenge for investors, futures point to a lower open. The Dow is on track for its first loss in four days. And shareholder rebuke, J.P. Morgan investors rejecting Jamie Dimon's $52.6 million bonus. We're going to start with Target, though, tumbling on that earnings miss. Earlier on Squawk Box, uh, CEO Brian Cornell said to hold him accountable. 13 weeks ago, we had a very different outlook for the year. <clears throat> and I'll take complete accountability for the fact we didn't project properly the rising cost of transportation and freight. We didn't call the billion dollars back then. Things moved pretty rapidly. We didn't expect the mix shift. We were certainly looking at consumers getting back to normal and some changes in lifestyle and impact of stimulus. We didn't expect to see right. this kind of mix shift. And we certainly didn't project the impact on our supply chain. So we own that. I own that. We're working to turn that around. We're confident we will. Sounds like you're more than willing to hold them accountable, Jim. Yeah, I have to. Uh, look, I, my travel trust on Walmart. I took it personally. Some people say it was too personal. Uh, that uh, there was a bad miss by uh, Walmart versus projections from February. Uh, this was, again, a very bad mix. He did very bad miss. He came on. He couldn't have been more abject about it. They had the wrong merchandise. Uh, month of April in this country is obviously a very weak month. Uh, the things that they did have, they, they had a lot of things they didn't need, but they needed more toys for birthday parties. They needed dresses for going out. They needed luggage for travel. They didn't have enough of that. Higher fuel and freight, definitely wrong. I, I, I do question, I mean, as I did with, with Doug and Bill, how could you be so wrong in April, given what we see? I mean, do we come in here every day and see, you know, it's like a big party going on? Home Depot had one of the greatest quarters ever. And there were very low expectations, but Home Depot is made up of, they had a large, large number of contractors. And the big projects are still being done in people's homes. And homes went up 40% in value in the last two years. So that's what people are doing. They're uh, not expensing. They're so-called uh, capitalizing what they're putting in. Uh, but, uh, but yes, Brian, Brian did worse than Doug, okay? He did worse than Doug. And I expected more from Doug or else I wouldn't have owned the the stock for my travel trust, uh, the, what, you want mea culpa per share? Brian Cornell did a better job. Uh, but, I mean, I soul searched a lot before I really was heavy on Walmart yesterday, trying to figure out how they could be so wrong. Uh, now you can say, well, Chassis was wrong, uh, and definitely uh, Cornell's wrong. I do not think the Marvin Ellison Lowe's was as wrong. So then you can say, well, why, if everybody's wrong, then how can you criticize Exactly, anybody? I was gonna say, uh, how can these two things be so similar without there being broader macro issues to right. the whole industry. Right. So uh, I apologize to Walmart that I thought that Walmart was the only one that got it wrong until I see Target. TJX did not get it wrong, but TJX is small time versus these guys. But at the same time, I wanted a heads up. I think that when you know you're going to be really wrong, you may be hopeful about April. 
But it would have been a lot better to call analysts, issue a statement saying, look, we are prob- we most likely will not make expectations. That's the way it used to be done in the old days. And maybe I expected that. I expected a pre-announcement that would have made it so when the stock started going down, you didn't say to yourself, hmm, you know, what's going on? Sure. Now, I think these are very honest companies. They're certainly not going to try to leak anything. That's just not their style. But at the same time, uh, when you're off this much, I think it's incumbent upon you not to wait until your report date. Here's what I would have done if I were these people. The, the day that we got the last weekend in April, which would have been kind of hopefully you want the weekend because a lot of it's this gardening. As the quarter was ending. Yes. It would, they should have put out a release saying, listen, we didn't make the numbers. Uh, pre-announcement, we did not make the numbers. Why? Because I think that's a better way to be able to do business. And it's the way that it used to be done. And I think we have to go back to it. Uh, as for the broader consumer and where we go from here in terms of spending, Cornell did address whether or not the consumer in aggregate is in true danger. Take a listen. As I sit here today, I'm not seeing any sign of a consumer slowdown. You have- I can't project out six months from now, but just what we're seeing today and what we saw in the first quarter, it's still a consumer who's out shopping and enjoying getting back to normal life. So that's about that's about mix. Um, and yes. it, I guess it, it depends on whether or not this inventory now, 72 days worth of inventory at Target, can be sold off at a discount. I don't know. And the, the, the appliances they're talking about are certainly not the appliances that, that were blowing through the doors at, at Home Depot. Home Depot says some things that I think really got me thinking that Walmart was not that good. And they said, first of all, they said that the business, I'm going to use these quotes, incredibly strong. Twice they said the business is incredibly strong. They had a thrill performance of appliances. People wanted to trade up for innovation. There has been a 40% increase at home in two years. And then they said something that I thought was important. They were using it, uh, some numbers from the National, National Association of Builders. Uh, they said the homeowner has, this is incredible, has never had a balance sheet like this. And that home appreciation does fuel the work. And that they said that in terms of optimism, it was the highest they've seen. <laughs> highest they've seen. I mean, survey of National Association of Home Builders is unheard of. They use the term unheard of. T- typically, they're asked if you're optimistic, and they get the answer 50%. This time it was 86%. Remodeling, 64% usually say they want to do it. 84% say they're optimistic. And then, again, Ted Decker, these, we've never seen numbers this good. So I was thrown off. Home Depot had an amazing quarter. I mean, amazing. But you could say, well, listen, that's rich people. I don't know. I think that's people that's associated with their home, and Target's not associated with your home. Target's associated with apparel. Apparel's very bad. We're knowing, we're learning that. Now, another wrinkle could be that we're all trying to find things. You go and you you go to your supermarket at Target and your supermarket at, at Walmart. Maybe there was just not enough left because of the price of food. But again, what you I mean remember, money, not product. Money. Right. Remember, I am not. I am saying for two things. One, I'm surprised that they were so wrong. But two, look, these guys sat on this. They sat. It's May 17. They, they sat on these bad numbers. May 18. They sat. I mean, can you imagine coming in every day and saying, you know what? We blew the quarter. We, we blew the quarter. Would two we weeks have made a difference? Really? Well, it's the old day. It's the old way you used to be able to look yeah. at it and say, listen. Um, but the price depreciation would have been the same, don't you think? Well, I just think that 
everybody is owed equal information at the same time. And I also think that the SEC used to say, if you guys are within five, you know, out, outside of five percent, you got to issue, you got to issue right. release, and, and that way people can say, okay, well, look, I, I see, I got a preliminary look. Maybe, maybe there's hope for the month of May, but preliminary looks bad. What happened to the idea that the big guys had an edge on supply chain? Thank you. Okay, so one of the reasons, again, that I felt uh, uh, more critical than I usually are is that like, these were the companies that were given the edge. They were considered to be uh, essential. They managed to be able to crush a lot of people because they were essential. And this is what they had to show for it. Now, oh, I was talking with someone in one of these companies saying, look, why couldn't you put the squeeze on on these companies? Why don't you have better supply chain? And the answer they got, they gave me was, put the squeeze on who? There is, there's no one to put the squeeze on. I mean, you can't just go to a trucking company and say, listen, we're big. Here's what we're going to pay. Because uh, they'll say, well, we're just going to go to somebody else. Because the demand was that It great. does make you wonder, though, if, if this is happening to the giants, how can mom and pop possibly be operating right now? Well, I mean, it's interesting TJX is up on a, on a miss because there's means there's, as you said, 75% of inventory. That's... A lot of inventories can go to TJX. People are going to buy TJX and, and lost stores. But again, I, I, me and Culpa, I thought that Walmart was the only one, but I do think, because Target was that bad. Target really was bad. Also, but, Be- Becky this morning made the great point, uh, what price gouging, right? If these, the idea that somehow margins are getting inflated like they are, say, in oil, uh, in, right. at the retail level, it's hard to imagine given the collapse in, in Target's no, margins. It is, but look, I mean, you know, Home Depot, was amazing. At Lowe's, Marvin Ellison, he didn't cut numbers, maintained full-year guidance. Uh, he does say that the do-it-yourself, obviously, they have more do-it-yourself at Lowe's. Than they do, I shouldn't say obviously, I just know. More do-it-yourself at Lowe's than Home Depot. Uh, he and I are looking for a big gardening weekend. Uh, this is it. May, because April was did not, and May so far, has not been good for gardening. And that remember, these companies are usually, usually lever to garden. Uh, Lowe's and, and Home Depot. Yeah, well, Home Lowe's, Lowe's did affirm the guide, and they said we're pleased with the recent trends because of that late spring. I think I think Marvin Nelson did a did a, as usual terrific job. Now this group is obviously not going to run here. Right. And remember, there's ETFs. Target pull any ETF down as Walmart. It's not where to look. It's not where to look for bargains. So where? Just, no, so where do not, we turn now? How, how do you think the broader market's absorbing all of this? I think the broader market is very much in, in, in is a negative rotation mode. It hates this group, then it hates that group, then it hates this group, as opposed to it shows great love for this group. It's like right now, uh, it doesn't hate semis, it hates retail. I was going to say, ADI, not too bad. ADI was a great quarter. On, on semi was good. It, on, semis, on semi is, remember, it's auto, uh, and it's in the catbird seat because they put that, that company together for auto. Uh, ADI is just Internet of Things. We had that upgrade of NVIDIA a couple days ago. Right. Now, NVIDIA is very... My my travels was on NVIDIA as long as I I, I had the trust. And NVIDIA is going to report. And NVIDIA, everyone keeps saying, listen, gaming weaker. So I had Strauss Selenik the other day. He said gaming stronger. Uh, I I had uh, Best Buy on not that long ago. They said gaming stronger. Uh, But there is a belief that gaming obviously was a was something that people did during the lockdown. Uh, NVIDIA is so, big, so much bigger than gaming. It is omniverse. It's a lot of it's industrial. I mean, look, okay, is this gaming? When I was there, uh, Jensen was teaching robots how to pick up Jell-O. Jell-O? Jell-O. <laughs> Jell-O cubes. 
<laughs> Not the spiked ones they used to give away on Halloween. I'm talking about just jello cubes. And he said, listen, if you teach them enough and you say, good boy. I said, Jensen, you're insane. He goes, no. You just tell them, good boy. You compliment them and they can pick it up. I said, but Jensen, these are like figments of our imagination. And he said, well, where do you think we're going? So, I mean, are we going to just pin, are we going to pin him to Ethereum where he only uses Ethereum uh, cards or the ones that he can't use for regular? Digital twin. Now, for, to my knowledge, no one has taken him up yet on the digital twin that can speak 28 languages and ask you what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that they should because uh, remember what Chipotle did. They came up with a machine to make chips. Well, um, speaking of all things omniverse and metaverse, you know what was 10 years ago today was my, the... My daughter's prom. <laughs> the oh, fa- no, The Facebook IPO. Was it really? That's re- right. You and I remember Oh, my God. Well. I was trying to work with my daughter's prom. She said, listen, Dad, you got to put aside... You got you to gotta put slate down because all, all the girls have high heels. So I'm like putting slate down. But, yeah, that was... Uh, now, I will tell you, in no uncertain terms, that company I believe in again. I was doing some reels last night. Reels. Yeah. Yeah, I can do reels. And the reels are better now. So not about long-term reality labs? No, not- well, he just, he doesn't need that, all these people. I mean, we're just covering, of course, people being fired. You know, they right. hired too many. But I think reels is going to pass TikTok. I think reels is now better. It's I more, think of reels, short, more of a reels, short-term call. Yeah, reels is more fun than TikTok. Um, we were doing some reels videos, and I just find them easier to do and funnier. And we don't have the... The pull, mm-hmm. but we will, because reels is really good. Well, well, you've been saying for a while, second half story. Second half on, story on for meta. certain. Yeah, De- definitely second half story. And we're getting close. Yeah, um, Target, uh, Depot, uh, Home Depot. Well, no, no, Target and Walmart. I think they can come back. They just had to have the right merchandise, but they're taking a hit. You think they'll fill this gap that we're seeing today? Uh, look, I think that these are great companies. I think that that. We are, if we lick inflation, you'll want to come back to them. But that's not what I'm looking to own right now. Right. I mean, they're not. I mean, I'd rather get run over by a Union Pacific. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we'll talk to Jamie Dimon joining uh, Pat Gelsinger on the list of CEOs facing a big payout. Pat Gelsinger. Backlash. Yeah, I love. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, futures continue to be weak. But as we said, VIX hasn't really spiked. And we are coming off several days of gains with the S&P almost back to 4,100. More squawk straight ahead. A rare rebuke for Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan Chase. Company shareholders voted down a $52.6 million retention bonus that was part of his 2021 compensation package. The bonus was designed to keep Dimon as CEO for another five years. This comes after Intel shareholders rejected comp packages for top execs, including that payout of almost $179 million for CEO Pat Gelsinger. Jim, given what's happened to valuations, what is deserved right now? Well, uh, look, I think that the whole country's struggling the president struggling with this notion of, of executive pay. Uh, this is something Senator Warren talks about a lot uh, versus executive pay versus line pay, worker pay, uh, and how it's gotten so out of control. Uh, Pat Gelsinger, you know, Intel stock price not that good. Jamie Dimon's price not that good. Uh, we used to think there should be at least some alignment, right? I mean, now I also think if I'm Jamie Dimon and my stock. And I'm obviously Jamie Dimon, very well, wealthy man. My stock is at 121. I would say, you know what? I am, I don't need the money. 
let's distribute the money to people, the frontline workers who came in every day. I want my salary done that. Now, very, he can still do that. He can say, look, I want my salary. Then that would be really great. And I think we'd say, you know what? Maybe I should be back with it. That's a terrific thing. Why not do that? If you're, I mean, these people are so, I was down in, in, in Palm Beach recently. People are so rich that if you're running one of these banks and you had a year where the stock was down and you had those people come in every day and they were, their family members got sick or family members died, you know what? This may be the year to say, I'm going to, it's time. I, I, I'm not taking that money. And you think that goodwill would get rewarded in what, a more supportive stock price? Maybe they'll go to heaven. <laughs> So, Going to heaven's better than hell. <laughs> and I learned that early on. It was like in Bible school. Yeah. Uh, I do think that, that there is an element which just says that there were people who shut up every day. And it would be a gracious and honest thing to do to say, you know what? I'm not taking it this year. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the reward. But I really w- would like to give that to the people. I mean, this is not Dennis Mullenberg and Bowen where it was like shouldn't even take any. Sure. Period. But I, I just think, what a great thing. I mean, would I do it? I've done it. I mean, it, you can do it. I mean, you go home, your wife says, hey, what what, do? Can, we do the, uh, can we do the kitchen? So, no. Not this year. No, no, the kitchen, you see, because there's like people who want to put food on the table. And what we'll do is just because the, the wood got warped because you left the water running. Okay. You know, <laughs> you shouldn't have let the water run. But yeah, it's time. That would be a nice thing. Pat Gelsey would be, it'd be so great if he came, sat right here. And said, you know what? I'm giving the money to frontline workers. You know, we always hear frontline workers. How about we give our pay to frontline workers? We'll see. We'll see if how much public pressure comes to bear. Don't you a think there should? I, I, it's hard to see how it would be a bad thing. Why would that be bad? I mean, it would be kind of like, yeah, wow. I mean, how much money do you really need, man? How much money do you really need? Uh, when we come back, Kramer's Mad Dash and the opening bell, which happens in just under 10 minutes. Don't go away. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. You're watching Block. I want to be positive because everything else is negative. Okay, so a company we used to call it Square. Block has an analyst day tomorrow. Uh, Baird makes it a fresh pick. And Rita Ahuja, who's the CFO, is so fabulous. I think that they have a decent story to tell. Uh, they've got Afterpay. They've got the Cash App, which a lot of kids use. And what they really have going for them is, is that there's a couple of companies, Block, DoorDash, Airbnb, that have been crushed. And maybe they don't deserve. I mean, look at. I mean, you're really. What's it going to be down? Eighty percent for the year. I mean, this is a real company. So I'm looking for uh, this company to be the tell for whether that whole class of IPOs has. Uh, now this is older than the class. I sure. was square, but you know, you, the group of companies that we used to love. Because there's companies that used to be 100 billion, and there were 50 billion, and there were 20 billion. Where do they stop? Nobody knows. Yeah, you know, I could have done Warby Parker downgraded by Goldman Sachs, but I mean, there are a lot of companies that came public and they really were branding opportunities. This is not a new one, but I think the analyst meeting is going to tell the tale of the high multiple stocks because that's been a place that's just been decimated. Where does it fit relative to legacy credit card? Because Goldman today question, like, resumes MasterCard right. Visa with a buy. Uh, those companies have no credit risk and amazing. Uh, and I like them. This has some uh, credit risk, but it was very, been very well handled, by the way, extremely well. Uh, of those two, I, you know, I've had both MasterCard and Visa on. Those are still cash 
to credit. And remember, they don't have any risk. They're amazing companies. The biggest risk they have is, is that now there's people who have signs on. There's this, listen, there's a 3.5% charge if you use MasterCard Visa. But those are fabulous companies. Although they've been stuck in the mud and Visa's not held up. They did have great quarters. They had great quarters. Uh, I would say you can hide in them, but this is kind of like a, Mo- a Muhammad Ali market. You can run, but you can't. <laughs> it's it's going to rope-a-dope you somehow. It's rope-a-dope. <laughs> he gave my commen- the commencement speech in college. Uh, it's like the great. I mean, there's like a few speeches in the world that ever just move you. Oh, yeah. Uh, not just one of the greats, the greatest. The greatest. The greatest. Um, opening bell in just a few moments. Quick reminder, you can always catch us anytime or anywhere. Just follow, listen to the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. We're back in a moment. What we need to see is clear and convincing evidence that inflation pressures are abating and inflation is coming down. And if we don't see that, then uh, then we'll have to consider moving more aggressively. If we do see that, then we can consider uh, moving to a slower pace. Fed Chair Powell yesterday at the Journal's Future of Everything Festival with his take on combating inflation, Jim. Transitory became a framework, and it sure feels like clear and convincing will be a framework well, as well. Look, I- he, he, there's no choice here. I mean, look, I'm in, I'm in the Bullard camp. I just think he needs to shock it. Uh, when you go through the Home Depot conference call, it's very clear that some of the strength is that they were just able to put through a lot of price increases. And this is the wrap. I mean, I think that if you don't put a price increase through, uh, you're, uh, you're criticized by management. Uh, so if I'm selling paint to you and I'm selling paint, I'm, it's uh, $5 a can. Now it's seven. Unless you do that, then you're going to get upgraded by your boss. So we now have this ingrained system where uh, I'm not going to let you get away with paying the same price. And every salesperson who says, you know what, I'll give you a break, is, those are let go. Those people are let go. Yes. He's got to stop that. He has to. And when you say shocking, you're still talking about 75, four points? Yes. I mean, what he has to do is be able to say, um, Brian Cornell has to be able to say to um, Newell Rubbermaid, to Newell, guys, you know what? We're not paying that price. You can try to put third price squeeze, but it's not going to work. And go try it. Uh, We've got too much inventory. So does uh, Walmart. Everyone's got too much inventory. Cut your price. That is what has to happen. He has to create gluts throughout the system. That's the only way to do it is create Great gloves. Well, uh, looks like apparel might be a start. Um, oh, man, there's gonna, so much better. That's why TGX can go up. Yeah. Uh, opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. It is the Acquirers Fund ETF celebrating its third listing anniversary. And at the NASDAQ, Prenetics, provider of genomic and diagnostic testing, celebrating its listing via SPAC. Uh, SPACs. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so the Sorry, breath is a little mean. bit weak here, Jim. Now, but, how about Twitter? You want to get to it, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Okay, so... Elon Musk had a lot of time at the company. He spent three days there apparently looking at things. Uh, they, there is a clause called specific performance where they can force him to take it. And I don't know how he gets out of it. I don't know how he does not buy it. I mean, how they can't force him. Now, at 5420. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess maybe they could renegotiate something, but that's the contract's 5420. And he agreed to that. And unless there's some sort of out-and-out fraud, which no one has found, to my understanding, no fraud found, he owns it. 
He owns it. And uh, he's got to point to some fraud, some material adverse change, even uh, in the period since he signed, of which there isn't any that I sure. know. And I think he's stuck. I think he's hung. I don't know. He, he's Some of the tweets are at odd hours. I don't know if you've <laughs> yes. noticed. He's, yes. You know, Usually uh, between midnight and 2 a.m. It's a stress, stressful period for the yep. man. Yep. But I, I do think that when I look at the clause and I look at the contract, I think they can hold him to it. Now, you know, he doesn't really care that. He, he, he's not a traditionalist when it comes to the legal system. But the legal system says that unless there's fraud, he owns it. Which is why a lot of the chatter this week has been, if you're the board, just keep your head down. Absolutely. And just act as if the deal's going to... And that's part of what the statement was yesterday. We intend to close the transaction. Absolutely. And enforce the Absolutely. merger agreement. Now, look, he did spend a lot of time on this issue. And remember, they said, yeah, 5%, a little bit more than 5% fraud uh, could be bogus. Uh, that's... Unless he realized... Here, maybe he's got evidence that it's 20%. I, I don't think so. I mean, this stuff was vetted by Ned Siegel, who's the CFO. I, I don't know anyone who thinks that Ned is anything other than incorruptible. And, and I just don't hear anything from Musk which says that the numbers that Siegel gave him and the company gave him were fraudulent. Right. Well, especially since his original motivation, apparently, for the deal was to attack right. the bots. Right. It wasn't an unfamiliar issue to him. Exactly. Now, look, if I were if I were them, just in the instance, uh, in the interest of comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y kind, because right now we got a lot of the C-O-M-E-D-Y kind, uh, maybe they come back and say, look, you know, we're willing to renegotiate, but we want some sort of good faith. Because otherwise the company, I mean, here's the keys, and I don't know if there's anybody going to be there now. Sounds like you think it's worth a nibbling at then from, but, from a participation standpoint. Well, I just don't think it's, they have a lot of things in the pipe that were very good. Uh, that uh, that are will not be aborted if this if uh, if the people stay. I've worked with them on some things. They they have a lot of th- they have a lot of irons in the fire. It's obvious that yes, it could be a better run company. But you know who would tell you that first? Is, they would. They have very little ego, and they were trying and are always trying to do things. And a lot of people feel it's just a very undervalued asset. Uh, so yeah, I yeah I I think you, you could get hit for a couple here, but. I, I do. Uh, yeah, I think that Twitter down here is okay. Uh-huh. I mean, look, I, I just don't want everyone from Twitter to leave. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're on Twitter, I think you're saying, what, what, what am I doing here? Let me get my resume together. Yeah. You're not going to Netflix, I'll tell you that much. No, with the T8, yeah, reports of uh, about 150 more layoffs yesterday. Uh, well, look, it's the new world. Yeah. Now, if your J-PAL comes to $38, yeah, maybe it's $33 downside, I don't know. If you're, if you're J-PAL, you're beginning to see the cracks. And the cracks are what you want. It's getting harder to get a job right out of college. Uh, there's getting to be a, a, a glut in some areas, including engineers. Uh, you need to see that happen. But you need to see prices stop going up. And that's what was so disconcerting about the Home Depot call, which is that they put through everything. Now, they said that they, so if you've got new technology, people will pay up. But there's no doubt about it, the sales that, that come from gluts are not there. But people are clearly viewing it about to happen, or else TJX would not be up for one a miss. TJX, um, right there, that is extra power. Now, if you want to go, I go, I bother David Ensley. But the TJX that's across the street, I mean, if, I, there's a lot of bargains there. 
but they're going to have an immense number of bargains. Now, I got my Ollie's Army, Ollie's Bargain Store. Still not there yet. They still don't have what I want. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, the consumers, I mean, I noticed today all 50 states, Jim, have retail gas above four. First time that's ever happened. Right. Brian so, Sullivan so said that. So they will have to make show. choices, won't they? Yeah, Something's I mean, unfortunately, Phil Lebeau would tell you the average auto does not burn as much. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole look, economy's less dependent uh, on energy. Look, oil's, you know, oil's a combination of, uh, there's, there's, there's Russia, um, Saudi's not pumping as much as they thought they would, and the discipline of the U.S. companies. Now, the rig count, I did some work with Carly Garner, I said, the rig count's actually going up now. Uh, but it tends to be the private equity companies. Uh, the big guys are still not trilling the way that you would have thought they would with oil where it is. They're just returning capital. These are great stocks. And it, it used to be 12% of the S&P, 10%. It's, yeah, it's about 7 It's going to 10 And everybody has to own some oils. Because then you, when you come in in the morning, you don't feel like, well, it's the end of, you know, it's good to have things that go up. Yes. Yeah, there's been, well, energy's been it, right? Well, energy is not that hard to figure out because the guys come on. These guys all come on my show. I had said that oil's uninvestable. And then I talked behind the scenes with them, and a lot of people said, how about if we spend more time methane and carbon capture? And, you know, they, they are all, con- the ones that I deal with are all concerned that young people won't buy their stocks. They care about the environment. Now, when you go to young people and you mention the oils, they tend to say, oh, please. But the, the oil companies I talk to are spending a lot of money trying to be better citizens. Now, there are a lot of people who say you can't be a better citizen because you're in carbon. But I think that they are doing their best. Uh, um, and they're very, a lot of them are very thoughtful about it. They made a lot of changes, these companies. I know because I've had, I had horrible conversations with them as recently as five years ago. Yeah. And the conversations with them are actually quite cordial because of all they're doing. Yeah. Well, uh, the EU's efforts to change their mix of supply means that they may do away with a lot of the environmental demands of doing renewables. Well, I think straight that, to it. You, know, you look at Poland, they're taking our LNG. Look, the, the Europeans, they had this Pakamim terrorist with Russia that it was out of character with, with Syria and out of character with Chechnya. Uh, there have been a lot of stories about how the Russian army isn't that good, but the Russian army is big. And I just still can't believe that, they, that Merkel made a deal with the devil. Uh, just basically said, listen, we're going to decommission nuclear plants, not just coal. Now, if coal makes a resurgence, which it seems to, then you can actually buy Norfolk Southern. I don't think he's, I think the railroads were caught flat, flat-footed. But if you want to know a company that I think is the one to buy of this, it's Caterpillar. They had an analyst meeting yesterday that was just stunning. And they are both good for alternative energy and for carbon energy, uh, for carbon capture. Uh, Jim Umpelby's doing an amazing job, returning a gigantic amount of cash flow to the shareholder. Deer reports this week and Caterpillar, and they're both the right. Caterpillar could even go higher than this. A lot of people say, well, how can you recommend Caterpillar into a recession, Jim? Look at their mix. The mix of what they have is much more geared toward energy. Ch- China, by the way, is only about 5% now. Of cat? Of cat. You, yeah, you're always used to think, ooh, geez, sure. cat. I got to sell on that. No, cat is a uh, lot of infrastructure, but really a lot of energy of all kinds. It's a very exciting company now. Yeah, well, it's the it's the top performing Dow component at the moment. And Uncle B did talk to Jim last night. Quick listen to that. Demand is very strong around the world. We, we mentioned in our last earnings call that our sales would have been even higher if not for supply chain constraints. 
but still very proud of our team. They were able to increase sales by more than 20% last year in 2021, despite the supply chain challenges. And in the first quarter of this year, we're able to turn in double-digit sales growth again, despite those ongoing challenges. Uh, having covered them years and years ago, historically conservative guidance. True. Right. And Uncle B is, uh, I'm using Caterpillar to redo something on it. Said it's just wrecking my whole lawn, and I sent him a picture of it. And he said, "You made my Saturday great." It's like a huge fight between me and my wife. You made my Saturday. This man lives and breathes this industry. Uh, he is in touch with the customer. He's in touch with the dealer network. In touch with all the people, all the steel that you need to make them. And I would say this: this is a new cat. This is a caterpillar that is so disciplined that you would actually think about buying it going into a recession, right. which is incredible. Is it, it was the first thing you're supposed to short yeah, cat. Yeah, that's that's the playbook. By the way, in, in terms of CEOs that are that you enjoy, who are cerebral and get it, Umpleby. Umpleby. Uh, I just enjoy his company. I think he's a remarkable man. You mentioned China, and Carrier does get cut at B of A today. I know. On, on residential HVAC, uh, and they argue they are the highest exposure relative to peers. I think that, that Dave Gitlin is doing a remarkable job. I would not sell that stock. They are doing some incredible things uh, when it comes to uh, the right kind of, of, of fluid and refrigeration for the environment. Uh, yes, they do have an HVAC component, but the, they, they have a huge industrial component. The stock's already down 30% for the year. Gitlin is a very, very smart man. And I think if you sell the stock here, you got, you got what, you got three down, and then the next thing you know, you're in a new cycle, and his cycle is about the environment. He is so deeply committed to producing the kind of HVAC that is good for the environment that his European sales are going to take off. What? People are just so short-sighted. Gitlin is one of those executives, like Judy Marks at Otis. These are the people who came out of the yep, United Technologies. Yep. They're cerebral. They are outthinking the analysts. When you sit down with these people, you're conscious. What they're trying to do is say, we are going to save the environment with ours. Because 40% of, of electricity is used by buildings, and we are going to change that and make it great. And I, I totally enjoy these people's company. That's interesting. Uh, the two other calls I want to get you on, one is PennNet. Uh, Jeffries says the sell-off overdone. They go to buy. Of course, that name Well, I mean, they saw DraftKings starting to bottom. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's, no, an, there's, there's that one. And then UBS ups as a sector. They up technology from underweight to overweight, Jim. Oh. They say that a software spend as a percentage of GDP is, it going, is going above trend because of the labor issues, cost, quality. Well, there is that. I mean, what is Jensen Wong really doing at, at uh, NVIDIA trying to cut out waste and trying to make it so that companies can expand on the factory floor without new people by looking at what, what a digital twin would say. Now, uh, there are. I think that you have to divide technology. They're the companies that are not making anything, uh, and they're multiple to sales, and I don't like them at all. And then there's companies that are making a lot of money, and yeah, I think those are those have been brought down by a lot of the companies that are not making any money that I think are just disaster stone and will remain disaster stone. And I have a hard time. I have an outfit on tonight, very smart outfit, um, Alderix, it's AYX. And it, Dean Stecker, he's terrific. They're losing a lot of money. And I, last night I, I came home and I was studying and I said, how do I say a great company where they use software that saves you a lot of money and saves, you can uh, actually get rid of a lot of people without it, but at the same time they're losing money. What am I supposed to, what's the value of it? Nobody, this market does not want companies 
that are losing money. They want companies to pivot and say, you know what? We are now, we have discipline and we're going to make money. And that's what I'm going to question Dean. I'm going to say, Dean, what's your game plan to make money? And he may say, well, the opportunity is so great. You don't want to do that. And I'll say, well, but what's the prospects of making money? Because that's what the people want. They don't want these unlimited loss companies anymore. Right. Well, that was certainly David Zaslov's point this morning on Squawk. Yes. Talking about cash flow. Uh, I'm that sure was you a good interview. It was a great interview. I, I'm sure you guys talked about Buffett and Paramount a lot yesterday. Oh, jeez. Right? I, I, the Paramount people thought I should have talked more about it. <laughs> they were like, well, you know, it's not Justin Dini. I happened to hire him on the streets. You know, we actually did well. And maybe more than Buffett think doing great, maybe give uh, them some credit. So I will give Paramount some credit there. Right. I think Paramount's doing some great things. What I had said was Paramount's not a big company anymore. Uh, but that doesn't mean I, I shouldn't have said that they're doing well. They're, Bob Max is doing very well, right. doing a lot of very exciting things. Uh, the, I think the issue is the clicker. I remember Brian Roberts, our boss, say one day what you're going to do is you're going like, to say to the clicker, you know, put on Mad Money, and Mad Money will come on, which means that we don't really know whose network anything's on. And that's where we are. I mean, I do that a lot. Yep. I, I find myself you know, coming home and saying, put on under the banner of whatever, and it comes up. Yes. Which better book than a show, actually. Uh, well, so that's you know. David's point this morning was simplicity is what's going to matter for consumers. You know, David Zaslav, they've got so much debt. Uh, it's re- the company's written about every day is teetering. And then you listen to Zaslav and you say, I don't know. Yeah. I want to be with him. Well, the, the view is that, de- that debt's going to come down in a hurry. I, the- yeah, I think that when I, I was just, this is me to him and, and everybody else, but um, when you see him, there's a joy to him that makes me always feel a little more comfortable. Yes. He, he keeps his joy. Yes. yes. Right? For, former colleague of ours, that's yes. for sure. Dow is down almost 400. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Uh, and uh, a brief uh, two day uptrend sort of being broken here. And this time it's on the consumer staples and discretionary side. That hasn't happened in a while. But take a look at uh, the major sectors that are moving. Uh, consumer discretionary has got Target in it. And that's obviously what's bringing it down. But remember, this group gets split up a lot. So the consumer staple group has got Walmart in it. OK, so it's a different group here. It's got Kroger in it. It's got Costco in it. That's the staples. So the staples group is weak as well as the consumer discretionary group. There's a little bit of, you know, discretion about whether, you know, Target, Walmart, where they should be here. Uh, but that's affecting it. Tech's also a little bit weak. Banks marginally on the downside. Energy's still holding up really well. 113 on oil there. That's a that's a nice number for oil holding up. Exxon's at a new high, like a four, maybe five-year high uh, for Exxon. That's back on the new high list uh, as well. But there's only a few stocks on the new low list. You shouldn't be surprised. Uh, it's Walmart uh, and it's Target. Uh, and it's Best Buy. Put up the new low list. There it is. So those are the ones that are leading the market down. You can be cynical and say so much for defensive groups like consumer staples, Walmart being the biggest one in the consumer staples sector. Uh, that's obviously been an issue. It's very difficult to figure out what the narrative is right now around the consumer. Now, we have Brian Cornell on this morning. I want to emphasize exactly what he said. He said healthy overall spending levels, but spending's being the shift in spending is directed in a different direction here. So he still sees strength in food and beverage. Put that up here. And he says 
were softer in TVs and appliances. So the consumer is still spending, but maybe a slight shift in the mix. Maybe they're being forced to spend more because of the higher cost for food and beverages, but still a pretty healthy consumer overall here. So what's the retail trend? It seems very tough to call right now, but generally sales are still good. Most comments are that the consumer still remains healthy. We're seeing higher costs. We're seeing generally some pressure on that in terms of lower profits. And it's starting to show up in some companies you saw particularly today, of course, in Target with some margin compression. So uh, particularly with, with Target, we were talking about all, they were expecting 8%, 9%. Now we're talking about 5% for the rest of the year. And then yet you get confused when you look at TJX this morning. I pulled up TJX. It seems like the opposite here. Their sales were a little light, but they beat on earnings. The exact opposite of what everyone else was talking about here. They're trading up. The margins were strong here. And the guidance was not particularly good at all. So investing in America seems to believe you see TJX up here holding the margins up are really, really important. Here's a company that did exactly the opposite of what everybody else was doing. So it's very difficult to figure out what the overall narrative is right now. Just keep an eye on the health of the consumer and how much they're having to pay for these higher costs. The trend is profit margins are a bit lower and have been declining uh, this quarter. So there we have 12%. I mentioned this yesterday, 12.1%. You see what it was last year? These are unusually high profit margin numbers, 13%. The historical numbers are 9, 10% profit margins. These were much higher in the last few years. They're starting to come down a little bit. It's not surprising overall, and I think that's the trend. Finally, I just want to point out Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, is testifying in the House Appropriations Committee in the next hour. This is on the surface of a routine budgetary hearing. He's got to go describe what the agency's doing, and basically he's going to ask for more money, saying he needs it. But he's going to be likely questioned about this extraordinarily aggressive regulatory agenda that he's got over 50 items are under consideration for new rules, including very controversial ones around climate change and board diversity and crypto and cybersecurity. Carl, I've been covering the SEC for 25 years. I've never seen an agenda like this. And a lot of corporate America is starting to get very uncomfortable with the mountain of potentially new regulations that are coming. I expect them to be questioned on that in the next hour. Let you know if we have anything interesting. Carl, back to you. Very important. I've been trying to get a hold of the commissioner because he is... Yeah, it could be crypto, too. I mean, he's doing everything. He's got filled with energy. By the way, I just want to correct myself. Block, I, I was looking at old piece of Their meeting is today, Square. I, and I do like that stock right here in terms of the software. Uh, one of the things that I think that Gensler is, is very wise to is uh, the stable point. Uh, I'm actually trying to check with one of these companies today to see how I can get 9% on my money. I'm thinking about moving some over. Uh, I remember when I asked, last, asked the commissioner about that, it was a kind of caveat emptor situation. <laughs> yes, it, yes. You, you can do that. Yeah, good luck. Let us know <laughs> yeah, how that works luck. out. Yes. Uh, quick check on bond report. Speaking of yield, by the way, bit of a mixed picture. A 10 year did crack three, uh, but right now back to 297 or so. Oil uh, did hit 115, backed off a couple bucks as well. We're back in a minute. Here's a look at this year's Megatech uh, market cap losses based on yesterday's close. You got Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, each down more than half a trillion in valuation. Uh, throughout the day today, CNBC will have in-depth coverage of big tech. And speaking of tech, 
do not miss an exclusive with Cisco's Chuck Robbins tomorrow on this program, Squawking the Street at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Look forward to talking to Chuck Definitely. about Definitely. Good and bad. Chuck comes on. Yeah. With the Dow currently down about 440. We're back in a minute. Jim, what's tonight? I got a bunch of new people. I've got it's Anderson now is the CEO of Alaric, and now it's uh, Stepworth. This guy uh, Stepworth, who's at Wingstop. I mean, these are new CEOs. Let's find out what they're up to. I, I have to tell you that, you know, that when you have Michael Skipworth and Wingstop, the stock is down so much, down 55 percent. You got to look at it. You got to take it seriously. Yeah, 55 percent. Yeah, some rumblings about going vertical in some poultry as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're, you know, they do the thighs now. I hope they bring the thighs because my wife asked me to bring home dinner. <laughs> we'll see you at 6, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, a lot more on Target shares getting crushed on that earnings miss. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.